Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Listeners, welcome to episode 111. Today I have a lovely lady in the studio and the Doc Terry Sellers. Jess, what is our guest? Jess, how are you doing today? Good. How are you guys? Not too shabby. Doing fantastic. Thank yeah. you for being it's on a little, here. It's a little tense in here. Yeah. The, Feel it. The, uh, the, the producer's mad at me. I'm kind of not very happy with the producer. You smell like cheese! <laughs> <laughs> you guys can work out your social media differences I, later. I look like cheese. <laughs> Episode 111. Let's just get right into the I'm sponsorship I'm in all yellow. I look like cheese, right? You do. It's true. You do. Okay. And it's, Imagine it's some sponsors. Episode 111, part one, is brought to us by High Desert Counseling. High Desert Counseling is a progressive substance abuse treatment facility with a practical approach. They offer day treatment, morning and evening IOP, continuation of care, and Prime for Life programs. Check out their website at highdesert.help or give them a call at 435-673-2899. Their facilities are located in St. George and Cedar City, Utah. Episode 111. Part one is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. They have two powerful blends. Mindful Mood helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood, while Mind Shift helps increase focus and optimize brain function. Place your order at riseupsups.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S. U-P-S dot C-O-M. At checkout, punch in podcast20 to save 20% off your order. We appreciate both those organizations sponsoring this podcast. Wait, is SUPS in Rise Up SUPS on the on the domain name? Is it just one P S U P S? Yes. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I I just was confused in my mind. I want to make sure everybody <laughs> can get to the website. One P. Okay. All right. Well That's what you said. I just thought Clarify. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Should we kick this thing off like we always do? No. I'm in a really weird mood today, so let's just make it, let's just get Extra goofy and as free we willing. can be. Free willing. Yeah, we got, we're going to get goofy Kay. today. Let's do it. Let's we're get goofy. Have fun. Um, well, let's start with, uh, let's start, what do we start with? New and goods, baby. I know. I new? didn't know if you wanted to do new and goods or not. Yeah, let's do it. New and goods. Sean, what's new and good? Um, my wife took me to lunch, and that was good. Did she lock Aww. you out of the house? No. Did you ever get back in your house? No. Terry was very worried. <laughs> yeah, I was scared to death. I was going to drive down to St. George to I let make, you in. I make a joke on Facebook, and everybody <laughs> takes it serious. Oh I don't. Gosh. Sean, I've known you for too long. Your I know jokes you're just... are way too subtle. <laughs> I know. It for requires a are... higher mind to appreciate well, it. No, you have to Sorry, understand Terry. something about your <laughs> life to appreciate it. I thought you were locked out of your house. No, I wasn't locked out of my house. It was All just... Right. It was a good joke. A weird joke. It was, dude. All, 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 the, all the post said was, "If you're reading this and I married you, I'm locked out of the house." I didn't tag anybody. Yeah. I didn't text anybody. It weird. was just a joke. Weird that I commented, right? You commented. Because two or three other people commented. Then the wife called. Where, where are you? Are you okay? I'll come get you. Yes. No, go away. It's it's weird because I'm three not, hours later. I'm not married to you. <laughs> I was reading that post, but I'm not married to you. I don't know why I decided to comment. I'm not commenting on anything you ever post. Ever you want to be again. the next Mr. Denovan? Not even. I think he does. <laughs> yes, I think. I think that's not it. even a little bit. Oh. But thanks. No, I can't be married to you. I can't even understand your damn jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Once you go ahead and get Jess's new and good. No. You're holding off on Jess. Yeah, I was going to save her. Save the best for last. Oh, okay. I get that logic. I was going to go with uh, Jess. What's new and good? Oh, now you go to me. I okay. Know. I don't know what I'm doing today. I'm in a weird mood today, but. <laughs> what's new Anything and good? Anything new and good this week? Like, what's going on in your life? Uh, just got back from a intervention last night. Went great. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, I do. I well, do it with my wonderful husband, who was just on the show. Yeah, Sai Hershey. Wasn't he episode 108, I believe? Yeah. yeah. Or 109, one of those. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. The yeah. Comeback Kid was the yes, title. Yes, I love yes. that. Sai <laughs> yeah. Hershey was a great He's one. Constantly making a comeback, that kid. <laughs> what, is, what is your guys' um, intervention? 
What is your guys' intervention company? It's um, Rise Within. Rise Within. Inc. Yeah. Cool. Way cool. So. Rise Within Inc. What's your yeah. company? Rise, rise Up Supplements. Yeah. I got to get a we company like, that has Rise in it. I know. We need to just like all yeah. rise up. Collaborate. <laughs> I need a bread company. Rise Up Bread. Yeah. Bread. Inc. That's what I need. Rise Up Bread Inc. Jared, what's new and good in your world? Uh, new and good. You got anything good? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I started uh, a new job with High Desert Counseling, one of our sponsors, and that's been going really well. Good. Um, Treating you well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, life. You know, it's a little weird getting back to like sure. work and everyday life. Sure. Um, but you know, routine's important. Yeah. And then we also have. Um, so we kind of hinted to this a couple weeks ago when we had Cleachy on, but uh, the SJS Scholarship Foundation, which is a nonprofit, is getting ready June third to have talent in the park, and they've asked me to MC that. They're Sweet. Gonna have oh. Oh, cool. Joe Nestor and Kalichi out yeah, here to perform. That. Sweet. And then the very next night, June 4th, uh, we're doing a fundraiser for the Sobriety Foundation. Susan Peterson, we love her. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to do a recovery concert down here, actually on this very campus at the Cox Performing Arts Center. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so so save those dates. June 3rd. Who's emceeing that? Ogden, Utah. June 4th in St. George, Utah. Me and you were emceeing that. What? Yeah, I signed you up. It's fine. <laughs> I'll stand there and look goofy. How about that? Sounds great. Yeah, I can do that. That's sounds usual. Sure. I'll, wear it. I'll wear one of my golf outfits and the place will boo me off the stage. It'll be fun. <laughs> so those are my new and goods. Doc, good. what's your new and goods? Uh, new and good? New and good. I don't know. Uh, do I have any new and good? <laughs> my life is such a miracle. It's unbelievable. I can't, I can't believe I struggle to find new and goods every week because my life really is pretty dang good. But new and good. I have a brother that moved in with me. Yeah. Yeah. How's that going? That's all right. Yeah. That's my boy, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. Jared. I got too many Jareds in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. AKA got, Mr. Clean. I got uh, too many Jareds. He is, he looks a little like the, uh, like the. Like Mr. Clean. What's that guy called? Like the genie that represents yeah. Mr. Clean. Yeah, yeah. He's bald. Yeah, that's him. He's bald. He his shaves his head. His name is Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for the word genie, dummy. <laughs> I'm going to make you two hug it out after this. Yeah, we're never, they need no, it. No, we're never, we're never going to resolve this. <laughs> we hate each other. How do we even do this? All right. Should we get to a podcast? Let's get to it. Okay, we got sure. we got Jess Wood um, on our podcast. And, uh, well, first of all, tell us a little bit about you currently. Tell us what's in your life. Currently. Like, what's life right now? Currently, um, I have four kids of my own. Holy mackerel. And then three stepkids that I... You guys almost have like enough to That's like form a baseball yes. team. It's yeah. the wolf pack is what I like to call the it. The wolf pack. Yes. Is, was that like a WWE? Yeah. <laughs> right. WWE. Yes. Smackdown. There's two of them that do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but we have ranges from 22 years old all the way down to... Almost a year old. Wow. That's a range. Yes, it's quite the team. Yeah. Wolf pack. And are they, (laughs) are they, how many of them are down here with you? There are, let's see, one, two, three, four. She lost track. I know, I have to count because they're they're Plus, you're married to Cy Hershey. So you Right, so he's actually another kid. (laughs) The combination of uh, (laughs) biological children, stepchildren, and your husband, you have eight kids. I just officially want right. to say, Cy, I had nothing to do with that comment. <laughs> okay, I cannot me, be held accountable. That's all me, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> Cy, yeah, we do. Cy's a pretty good guy. We like Cy. You know what I think is cool? Talk to me. I think it's cool that both <laughs> Jess and Cy are people in recovery, you know, from the d- disease of addiction. And it's tough to get people to come on this podcast and bear their soul. Yeah, it is. It is especially tough to get females, for some reason, to come on this podcast and bear their soul. Is that what you found, do you think? Absolutely. Because you, you get most I of the guests. Right. Yeah, you I get most of the guests. And it is, we're always looking for great women, strong, powerful women to come on here and share their story. What I found is most of them um, would like to practice the anonymity thing. And yeah. I can respect that. Okay. I can. Um, Jess, thank you so much for coming on yeah. Yeah. and thank for you sure. for being willing. It probably helps you work in the industry doing interventions. Definitely. For sure it does. Yeah. 
but I feel like, you know, there is there, I think as a woman, you know, you do feel like there's maybe a shame or that you're going to be judged by tons of these women that are going to be comparing their story to your story to your story. And it's a hard, I think even just an AA or, um, in the other meetings and stuff, it's kind of a hard thing to kind of, as a woman, there's even within my sobriety and things, us women, um, women's meetings they're you know, like you like to go to the men's meetings or like they're hard to have groups of women. And then when we finally do get a solid group, it's great. And you just, it's hard to come by. You know, what's funny is I would always assume that guys are naturally more competitive, but I don't think so. Like I really don't. I think women are more competitive than men. It's internally for sure. And I realize that's probably coming across super sexist, you know, whatever, judge me. Thank you. You Um, you sexist. But they, but like they, they kind of are right. Like sometimes they're tougher on each other than Mm -hmm. like me and Terry. We just both know we're a couple idiot dudes. You know what I mean? Like. That's just us. We're a couple goofballs. No. You know? No. You know you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm still pretending like I'm not. <laughs> My point being is they can be a little harder on each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah for, sure. for sure. So I get that. There's like, you know, obviously that Mean Girl movie that came out and it's that was a real thing for sure. That was That can but, be a real thing. But you can yeah. also have real good women that are looking out for each other and have each other's back. I think that's are something we gonna, that Are we gonna shout out to any kids? Shout out to my uh, CJ. CJ? Yeah, we'll do shout out to Sachi. I think I'm playing golf with CJ later. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he's he's great at golf. I'm sure he's actually golfing right now. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Who who else you got? Let's see. Cece, Jaden. So there's once the whole family Jackson, Ruby. And my baby Cooper. Coop. <laughs> he'll hear this. The Coop. Coop <laughs> yeah. will hear it. He may not know it, but yes. he'll hear it. Right? Good, good. All yeah. right. So take us back to, we we have about 13 minutes left <laughs> in this segment, so we got about half the time left. Okay. Um, and, and like you, you, we were talking before the episode started, and you really want to focus on kind of what you've done in the last 10 years in recovery. And- that's great because so do we. I mean, that really is what we have decided is the focus of the podcast. Right. We don't want to do tons of war stories and glorify using and mm. do any of that. The The main focus is showing people who have gotten clean and sober, who are accomplishing really cool things while they've been clean and sober. So kind of being a beacon, hopefully a beacon of hope to some people that, yeah, yeah you can get better. And when you do, you can do whatever you want. So we're going to get to that stuff in the second segment, but I want to start with, okay, where'd you grow up? I grew up actually in Utah, Orem, Orem. Utah County. Yep. Good old Utah County. That's a terrible town. Where'd you go to school? Depends. (laughs) I jumped around all over because I started struggling. You got kicked out of school a bunch, didn't you? Well, I didn't get kicked out. I just thought switching like regions and areas would like change because I did start struggling with drugs and alcohol at a pretty young age. What age? Oh, um, well, fourteen. That's pretty young. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, yeah, I definitely decided to um, seek out. There was some internal things I think that were going on, you know, with myself as far as like just identifying with people. You know, I didn't know who I was, and for some reason, alcohol really just kind of spoke. Is that was that your first drug? Yes. Started drinking at mm-hmm. the age of fourteen. But it was very quick, so I, um, I actually, well, I think in another thing, the reason why women I think struggle with sharing some things is because a lot of it does have sexual, yeah. um, trauma, and yeah. with that, one of those that's that very day that I drank, I had a sexual, um, trauma traumatic experience, and that led me straight to the liquor and grabbed the bottle and just downed the whole thing. So wait, hold on. I, I don't want to explore this deeply, okay? Because no, no, this okay. is not the podcast, right? right? But so are you saying the sexual trauma drove you to drink or did were you drunk and that no, led to the sexual trauma? It was the sexual trauma made you drink. Made me drink. Okay. Can I share a quick statistic? Yeah. So if you have 10 people with a substance abuse, substance abuse problem as an adult, 9 of the 10 women will have had some type of sexual trauma in their past statistically and six to seven and 6.5, which makes no sense to me, but 
six to seven of the males will actually have some type of sexual trauma. One guy had half of the sexual trauma. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that we want to go there, but, but yeah. Uh, so, oh, I'm ready to go there, so trust me. It, it, but it, on, a, on a more serious note, I think often people that don't really understand substance abuse, they look at the individual... And they just see somebody making, in their mind, poor choices. Right. And it's because we really don't take the time or it's a lack of awareness to realize that there's something underneath that that they are wanting to escape from. And again, not in every single instance, but the majority, there is some type of trauma that they're trying to run away from, escape from, cope with. I don't know if you remember me saying this on this podcast, but I have, and I say it a bunch. I gave up a long time ago. I decided we're not treating addiction very much. We're treating trauma. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I think that's, it's pretty common that, and you just mentioned sexual trauma. There's other types of trauma also. So if you add the domestic violence, the, the, how many, how many out of 10 women did you say? Nine out of 10. Nine. Okay. If you add the nine out of 10 women and the 6.5 out of 10 men, if you add to that other types of trauma, you're probably pretty close to a hundred percent of people that are abusing drugs and alcohol that have some form of trauma. Now it's not a hundred because I don't think I've had any trauma. I think I had migraines. You share that, but I'm telling you, if I was a physician and I was working 78 to 80 hours a week, that would be traumatic for me, man. I don't. I didn't have that. That's okay. We will. Let's not do another me. podcast. Yeah, let's, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> let's not. Let's not get to me. Let's get back to Jess. Okay. Okay. So you're uh, 14. You had yeah. a sexual trauma. You started mm-hmm. drinking Start fairly drinking. quickly. Yes. Like by, by fairly quickly that day. Yeah, that okay. very day. Within probably two months from that, I was smoking heroin and using coke. And you're a quick study. Yeah. Yeah. You don't mess around, do you? Yeah. I really just kind of went straight for it. I'm not going to mess with this weak stuff, alcohol, although alcohol is a deadly, right? Deadly drug in and of itself. Right. That one's readily available. Well, everything is really, but yeah. It's it's readily available, although not as much in this state as it is in other (laughs) states. It takes a little bit of work, at least in this state, to get some. In other states, if you're 14, it always takes work. But yeah. <laughs> if in other states, if you're 18, you can just walk right in and buy it. Or yeah. 21, whichever the state says. Mm-hmm. Um, At 14, how were you getting the resources? So it had to be kind of inconsistent use. Oh, yeah. It had to be almost kind of recreational at that point. Because how does a 14-year-old have the resources Right. To so I had a cousin who lived right by the, um, I guess... It was UVU, but I can't remember what it was. UVSC or... Yeah, UVSC is what it was before, but she lived in that neighborhood and we would walk and we would jog and run Mm -hmm. and get attention from these guys and they would invite us into their houses and we would just like, oh, this is good attention from, you know, getting this male attention from these men and that were older and then you'd go back to school and be like, hey, I hung out with some college guys and this and this and this and then, you know, went from So the college guys had the drugs. Mm Mm-hmm. Got you. Yeah. Okay. So went from there, um, spiraled out. Like I knew right away, like I was an alcoholic. I'd always heard from my family, like, hey, you have alcoholism in your family. Like it's, it's in the like genes. A, yeah, right. So you're like, oh, okay, stay away from it. But I like that traumatic experience. I just knew I was like, I want to numb now. Mm. And I numbed. And then from there, it just like kept going. I got this, got this. And then. At the age of, um, I think I was almost 16, you know, it hit where my parents were like, hey, I think you need like some help. I was like, I don't know what kind of help, what does that even look like, you know? And um, they suggested the outdoor program. Oh, good. A wilderness program. Yeah. Did a wilderness program. So I didn't ever get like snatched up or whatever. I actually agreed to it because I did, I felt very um, out of control myself. Like I knew it wasn't within me to want to do these things. But, um, I so you agreed I to have, go to wilderness. Yeah, I did. I, I okay. agreed to go. <laughs> I have a funny story with my dad that, you know, he was you know searching. We had to get this list of things that I needed and he had this knife and he's like, okay, it looks like you got to have this knife. And I was like, I'm next first thing I'm going to do with this knife is stab it in the person. And he was like, Oh my. And I was just doing it to just like rile him up and scare him. And he was like, Oh my gosh, this girl's like a gangster. And I was like, yeah, 16 year old gangster going out to this wilderness program. But from there, um, 
I thought, you know, I was going to be sober from there. I got out. I loved life. Like, it made me love the outdoors How so How long much. were you in the wilderness program for? Um, 12 weeks, I think it was. So pretty good little start yeah, on some a, clean time. Yeah. 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 It was good. Um, I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, didn't have, like, really any bad experience with that. But I knew right away if I was going to come back and come to you know, my same old friends, same group, that it was going to be a struggle. And I begged to actually stay. I was in, down in Arizona is where I did it. I begged to stay. I was like, I need to stay. Like, I can't even go back there because mm-hmm. I'm scared. But my parents were like, I don't know what else. There's no, like, really options for you. Your grandpa just died. Like, you got to go. Yeah, and one of the, actually that. the experiences that I want to share with that is with my grandpa when he did pass away. Um, I was leaving to the outdoors and... He was supposed to live, you know, another six months or something like that. But he's in his um, bed in hospice. And one thing, he grabs my hand and me and him were at, you know, we weren't getting along at all really well together. And at the time, he just grabs my hand and I looked at him and he says, Jessica, you got to remember you're beautiful within, not on the outside. Love that. And it was weird for me because I was like... My grandpa doesn't get serious like that. He's never been like one to just like speak to your soul, but mm-hmm. it did. Like that moment, I just felt like, whoa, grandpa, like, okay. But, and then I heard later, you know, through some letters that he had passed away and I didn't get to attend his funeral, didn't get any of that because I was obviously gone. But it, that even today still like touches. Was that me. one of the last things he said to you? Yes, that was the last thing he said. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. There's like some power behind being, uh, seeing somebody like that. Yeah. You know, I I think every day, like I kind of go around sometimes and I put on a mask. I've been doing it for, since me, Mandy lost, you know, the baby and you put on this mask and you're superficial and you just kind of put on a good show. Right. And when somebody can look you dead in the face and be like, I see you Yeah. and you're beautiful in there. Yeah. And it's like, it, it hits different. Right. When, it, when the person, especially that it comes from sometimes too, like yeah. I, and to be honest, like I can get a per, someone as complete stranger and when they just look at you and they see you and they tell you that something that's like, whoa, like how do you know what I'm going through right now? But they see you and they tell you like, you're beautiful. It's like, that's a little different, you know, like that you're telling me something a little different that you're seeing. It's not on the outside it's in and sometimes they don't even have to say anything no yeah for sure i can relate to that and i'm not going to make this about me but a quick little story so you know we kind of shared on social media our loss and and you know when i go to the gym it's part therapy for me like i'm in there to work Mm -hmm. out and get Mm -hmm. a good workout in and and so i'm doing my thing and i'm working out and a buddy comes up that's in recovery as well and i'm gonna get emotional yeah you are and i'm doing my thing, hitting the weights, right? And totally in the zone. And it's the farthest thing from my mind. He just comes up and just gives me a big hug. And I just start bawling. Yeah. And I take my headphones off and I said, F you, dude, I'm trying to work out. (laughs) You know, like sometimes it just, you don't even have to say anything. Just knowing that somebody's hurting, giving them, you know, a warm embrace, Mm -hmm. letting them know that you see them, that there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to like the story of my sobriety, like I lost that Mm. and with using and doing all that stuff, it was like, there was this person that I wasn't being and people can tell quickly with, you know, when I'm using, I'm not authentic. I'm not Jess. I'm somebody else. And, um, you know, going through a lot of the other things that I went through, you know, I, been to um, another rehab and my son I'll quickly just share that my son who was four at the time or five didn't care like he was like okay bye mom and I was like waiting for him to just be like hey mom no 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 come come and like give me some excuse and then I was like uh, then I'll if he had some excuse then I would just be able to go with him and then I don't have a reason to have to go you know to this rehab but he just walked off and went off but then the moment I came back home from that you know stay at the rehab came down the escalator he walks up straight to me and you know I'm expecting of course this beautiful embrace and he pushes 
my, me back, my shoulders, and looks at me in the eye and says, that's my mom. So cute. That's great. Hey, we're about out of time in this segment. Um, we'll be back after a short word from our sponsors. More with Jess Wood right after this. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rice of Supplements, and the Hilton Garden Inn. High Desert Counseling is an adult outpatient substance abuse treatment facility. We offer multiple services including day treatment, morning and evening intensive outpatient services, continuing care, and Prime for Life. What makes us different is our emphasis on gathering all of the information before enrollment. We do this by offering a thorough evaluation by a credentialed professional. Once we have committed to you and you have committed to us, don't worry, insurance will not dictate your treatment. Lastly, the pretzel effect. We are a brief intervention where we connect our clients to community, mental health, and medical professionals to help maintain recovery for life after treatment. At High Desert Counseling, we strive to be the bridge from active addiction to recovery, community, and connection. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, welcome back, everybody. Part two, episode 111. Sorry, I kind of got loud on that intro. Um, We've been talking with Jess Wood about uh, her story, but before we get to the rest of her story, we want to mention that part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. Hilton Garden Inn is in St. George. There's Hilton Garden Inns all over the place, but the one in St. George is fantastic, and they help sponsor us. If you happen to be traveling through southern Utah, look them up, Hilton Garden Inn. Just type that in, and you'll see all the cool stuff they have, which is pretty cool. I'm staying at the Hilton Garden Inn tonight, I believe. Is that true? Absolutely. Okay, good. I haven't actually checked in. I just drove in. <laughs> but... Um, uh, they have great amenities. Their 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 food's really good, actually. They they have a restaurant there that's kind of cool, um, and they do room service. But uh, they have a great pool. They have a great hot tub. They have great staff. Like their staff is so friendly, and uh, so give them a shot and let them uh, treat you like a guest. Shout out to Estefania. She's Estefania is our fantastic. Girl. Yeah, she's our yes, girl for she sure. Great job. She takes really good care of me. She's yeah. super friendly too. Uh, okay, back to Jess. Let's get to. Okay, so you've. We we're gonna probably speed through a little bit yeah, of this because totally we want to get to the really cool stuff that you're doing in recovery. But um, how? Take us to the point where you finally decided this is it. I gotta give this up for good. Yeah. Um, let's see, I, you know, speaking of that moment with my son, that wasn't my rock bottom, you know, I I actually went back out and was drinking again. Mm. Um, and my rock bottom was getting, um, you know, I was dating a guy, he had several kids and I'm going longboarding down the Canyon, um, of Provo and I fall several times and I'm taking them with me. Right. So I'm taking these kids and I'm like getting all fun. Let's have fun. And being, I'm super drunk and I'm just rolling and hit my head and get a concussion while I'm still taking the kid. And, and then hit my stepson at the time he looked at my face and was like terrified. And I'm like, and I just saw my son who was, you know, five at the time. I was like, what am I doing? Mm. You know, like what, am I doing trying to take care of these kids while I'm stumbling down the, you know, well, I'm a mess. Right. (laughs) Right. Like I'm trying to, and I'm like, I did not see a future doing that. Yeah. And at that point, you know, it was like, I got to get like, I got to do something and go back to like the basics of like where, you know, going back to meetings, whether that was, I just needed help and, um, going through a couple of the, treatment centers that I went to one was going at 6 30 in the morning to a meeting and that's what I started off with I was like okay I just got to get 
it's the 6.30 in the morning. I, my brain's not running. My brain's not going. I'm going to a meeting. That starts my day off. If that's the only thing that I get done today, that's it. So let me clarify. You'd kind of learned the habit while in a treatment facility mm-hmm. of getting up early, going to a, a, like a rise and shine type mm-hmm. meeting, right? A first thing in the morning meeting. Yep. And so you drew on that even though... You were, it sounds like you were on kind of a, a bender. Right. You drew on, hey, <laughs> yeah. I know the skills. Was, I just need to apply planted. them. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, I love that. Good. I want to point out one more thing that you said. That yeah. I, I really like this, and I hope this is part of maybe the theme of the podcast. There is no future if you're using or drinking. There never is a future. And every story we've heard on this podcast, yeah. 111 episodes now, there's no future in it. It doesn't work out well. No. And so your future doesn't really begin until you give it up, until you decide, I'm not doing this anymore because this isn't working for me. Yeah. So if we could someday in our one millionth episode, if we could ever touch somebody before they get to the point where they start, if they, if that can, if they can have heard something that allows them not to start because they know there's no future, that would be a goal, I think, of if we could do that in the podcast, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah, just... But there is no future. Yeah, okay. you can't. So, and you start going to meetings. Start going to meetings, starting my days off, get a couple months clean, go back out, because I thought, well, I, maybe I became normal again. Yeah, sure. You know? You're <laughs> Maybe I can drink at least once, and I did. I thought I could, and yeah. two years, you know, I think it was like a year and a half later, I still wasn't sober, then... You know, started off again. I was like, "Okay, hey, I got to go back to the six thirty meetings." Started doing that, but um, did they ever teach in any of those meetings this thing called powerlessness? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. One yeah, too many, sure. and a thousand's it's never enough. Pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> Some it's of repeated. That I think it's even like on one of the same. Somebody someday though, somebody's <laughs> yeah. going to be powerful enough to yeah. just mm, turn into a yeah. gentleman drinker. Right. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I actually end up in another treatment center, have a seizure. Mm. while leaving. Mm. So my parents were going to pick me up. You mean while leaving to go to the treatment center? No. Leaving leaving home. I detoxed, got out. I was ready. The last thing I remember is I looked at the clock and I'm in an ambulance and people are asking me. Are you talking about detox or are you talking about a treatment center, like a residential Residential. 3.5 level of care? You had a seizure on your way out of Mm -hmm. one of those and they didn't keep you? They did end up keeping me, but I had to oh, go. Okay, I had to go to. <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait, what treatment center was this? <laughs> no, yeah, I had a, a grand mal seizure, almost bit my tongue off. It was it was Christmas Eve? Wait, Clinical how? Jared just almost <laughs> came out the box, right? Because like I got some ASAM <laughs> yeah. stuff going yeah, on in my yeah, head. Yeah. And I'm like, we can rationalize no. this care for sure. Right yeah. Now. Well, Clinical it Terry's was, got some questions too. It was pretty wild. Were you in? How long were you in treatment that time? So I was in what they were going to do detox and then go to treatment. So it was like almost a month that I had gone through the detox. So what was the seizure about? Wait, 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 wait. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> You're this like, what's happening? Um, I, I had, you had been clean for a month when you had a seizure. Is that what you're telling me or am I yeah, missing something? Yes. No, that's That's correct. unbelievably right. rare. And it was Xanax that I was using. Unbelievably rare. I, I don't know why. And, and so I've, I've told the story several times and I've said that people are like, what? Yeah. That does not like doesn't happen. Well, if you bit your tongue, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I've had friends tell me, you know, they saw it happen. Right. So but to me, the reason why I got sober was because I felt like God was telling me, like, you have done mm. enough. Like. I'm showing you with your physical, like, I had no power over, like, I was wanting to go home. I was wanting to spend Christmas with my son. I yeah. wanted to be home, and right? you want to be home and sober. And I had no control over that seizure. I had mm, no control over. Sure. And so it was like, to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't go back to doing that. Because there was no... I have a theory around this. And I swear to you, if I ever go after my doctorate, this is going to be my thesis. <laughs> There is a correlation between near-death experiences and people drastically changing and like buying into recovery because, yeah. listen, the people tried to recover me for a long time before I was ready, and there was something about my uh, near-death experience that after that I was, I, I was uh, not only was I willing, I was 
grasping at. Yeah. Because then it really hit home. Like yeah. my life depends on this. Yeah. This is like a real thing and I could die from this. Yeah. Well, it here's, was, here's the other point to that is near death experiences also sometimes become yeah. death experiences, death. right? Yeah. People die from this disease. So also, can we just pause for a sec too? Because I want a little education piece as far as there's a couple substances and we got a doctor in the house. There's a couple substances uh, that can kill you when you're detoxing off of them. We've shared this a lot yep. on this podcast, and it's good because it's good awareness. Alcohol and benzodiazepines. You were coming off of benzos at this certain point in your journey. Mm-hmm. Doc, I know that they have to wing people off benzos because they can have seizures and they can die, just like Jess just shared. Right. Why is it after a month, though? I mean, that's pretty uncommon you shared. Super like, uncommon. <laughs> 90 Probably 95% of all seizures that are alcohol or benzo-related um, happen in the first week. So she was outside of that zone. Way outside of that zone. And I was peeing clean I've never well. seen a seizure a month out. I've seen one two and a half weeks. That's probably as far out as I've seen. You don't have a history now, of seizures. The diff- never. The difference is the, the substance. Okay, because alcohol has a relatively short half-life. Benzos can have, there are benzos mm-hmm. that have a longer half-life. The longer the half-life is, that also means it takes longer to get that out of your system. Mm. And it's not until it's out of your system that you could have a seizure. Like people don't have seizures while they still have benzos on board. And so if she was taking a, a longer acting benzo, what benzo were you taking? You Xanax. remember Xanax? Okay, it's not the long. It's not a super long yeah. one. It's longer than alcohol, but it's not. It's not a super long acting one. But that may have had something to do with it. The fact that it's a little bit longer acting, got a bit yeah. longer half life than than alcohol. And I've does. rationalized it in my head a bunch of times, like, oh well, maybe it was because of this. Like in my body, just like because you know sure. I have an eating disorder, and so maybe I was thinking like it wasn't my metabolism was doing all these things. But it was like I had to end it just by being like, you know what. Like, I believe God was telling me. <laughs> Maybe your higher power just wanted yeah, to kind of smack yeah, you in the face and say, right. hey, wake up. Wake up. That's probably it what you should take away from that. I would just, yeah, I would just kind of continue to go, always go back, always just like I'd get sober here and there and then I'd go back and like, oh, maybe I can try this a little bit. Maybe I can try this. Well, this doctor told me I could take this because I do have anxiety. You know, I have these problems. Mm. But it's like I can't do anything. Like I need to deal with my anxiety in healthy ways that are, you know, I've, with the number of years that I've had sober, it's like I'm doing different things all the time and I'm trying different things, whether it's, you know, seeking a higher power, whether it's trying religion, whether it's trying cold ice dipping in the pools, you know, polar plunges, yeah, polar yes. plunges, yeah like hiking, biking, running, you know, I'm trying everything because there are times when it's like, oh, things are working and then all of a sudden something's not working because... You know, I've had my mom um, passed away five years into my sobriety and I was pregnant and I was dealing with a husband who was shooting up heroin mm. and decided to also try meth into the mix of it. So it was like oh, all choice. of that. Right. Yeah. I was like dealing with all of that in one month. I had a baby early and my mom died and oh. I divorced, you know, I separated from my husband and that was like. And you stayed sober. And I stayed sober. Wow. And, and like. To me, I'm like, one, that t- if anybody else was telling me that, I would have been like, holy cow, like, no, that's not true. You did pick up something, but I didn't. Like, I, I clung to what I knew, and it was my, you know, the meetings, my friends, people that I knew that supported me, and, like, my higher power. And I created my higher power through, you know, obviously growing up, in the prominent Utah County, you know, you know, the prominent religion that I grew up in, it was like, there was checklists that I were, you know, had grown up doing and that didn't work for me. I had to... Wait, you were Buddhist? <laughs> yeah. No. no, no As well. Not, is that it? That's not I've tried that. No. 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 But okay. I, I had to create a God of my own understanding. Someone yeah. that loved me. For who me and deep inside who I was, not what I looked like outside, not what I looked like, like me. And the one thing, you know, with me getting sober too, like I sought out, what am I going to do with my life? What do I want to be? You know, where do I want to work? 
you know, because I had to obviously figure out jobs, figure out different things. Because I was an MA, I would call in my own prescriptions. Been there, done that. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I'm like, I got to figure out a different plan. So I thought, you know, I went to Cirque Lodge um, that was close by my house. I thought, I'll start working here as a tech, you know. And, you know, it was kind of worked up from there. Um, But you working in a treatment center for me, that light that you see when someone Mm -hmm. gets sober after those couple weeks, it's like, that's what I experienced, I think, within myself and seeing that within someone else and seeing like just the amount of people that I've seen when I worked at Cirque, when I worked at, you know, all the other treatment centers that I've been at work that um, and seeing those people today still sober and those are hard to come by. You know, you, I've seen deaths, you know, I've seen people, you know, through the whole social media thing, like I'm seeing it daily, people losing this battle. It can almost become an, an, a form of another addiction. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, you know, a healthy, a healthy, addiction, right. right? Like <laughs> when you watch somebody uh-huh. just have their, their, I would say the light or their spirit come yeah. back into them. It, uh, it's what keeps me going. Like when I have hard days and I need a win, those, those are typically the wins that I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll show up to work tomorrow again. Yeah. You know, seeing that light, but also just like, there's a purpose and yeah. you want to find that purpose. What is that purpose that you yourself, what's my purpose? What do I want to give somebody else their purpose in life? You know, like last night with this um, intervention, you know, we were trying to find this guy's purpose mm. and his purpose is his family. He wants to be with his family. And that's my, you know, that's always been my, the ground of my purpose is my kids, you know, and I will fight to the death for my kids and, um, you know, through all this sobriety and fighting and the joy in life and things, that purpose is the soul of everything, I think, for me. So I love we, it. we live in a society today that downgrades the importance of families sometimes, right? But mm-hmm. when people can finally realize that that's really what it is, right? there's it, nothing more important to people than their families whether it be the family they're currently in or the family they grew up in or whatever. They're or just, their recovery family yeah, that I was they say, through even years that, of... Right, even yeah. that. It doesn't have to be blood for me. Like, I love my stepkids. They are... Right. Like my kids, you but know? they're your family. But they're my family. Like, yeah. they're... Who, who is it that supports me and, who, and how do I support my, you know, support system? Yep. Who, who is it that supports you regardless of whether you're having a good day or a bad mm-hmm. day, right? Because family's always that. Yeah. So are great friends, and so can recovery family yep. be that. But my family's going to support me whether I'm doing great or not doing yep. great. My, and that's I had to learn that the hard way, too. It was like, you know, my family watched me suffer and suffer. And I've kind of been on that other end, too, as experiencing with, you know, spouses. They're just... You know, sometimes I'm like, I'm, am I am I still like an alcoholic? Yes, I know I am because I'm. You know, I gotta remember myself yeah. being that way, being that person. But there are times where it's like, sometimes I'm on the other side now. Like even in the treatment center world, where you're just like, um, do, am I? Is, is there still something wrong with me? <laughs> I know there is, and I, you know, I've I've I've. I've struggling today, you know, like I'm 10 years sober, but there's still things that I struggle with. There's still things that I battle with, but you, you still I, have cravings. Yeah, I do. I, I was never relieved of my obsession and I've never, but I, every day I do wake up and I, I have to find something today, whether, and it's sometimes it's not daily. Sometimes it's every other day. Sometimes sure. it's, you know, monthly, like, you know, as far as like when you first get sober, there's and, you know, currently I am struggling, like, with just that you wake up and you're like, hey, like, what do I need to do today right. to make myself feel good today right. and not feel good, you know, by reaching out and going and grabbing alcohol? Like, it's been very easily acceptable, but it's like, okay, I've got to, you know, change my kid's diaper. I'm, you know, like, I've taken things super slowly, but that's just how I've learned through the process of just being sober is like 
taking things one thing at a time, you know, those yep, slowing slow, it down. Yeah. Just, I think a big piece of what you talked about though, and, and oftentimes I think we've touched on it a little bit, but I don't know that it always gets the attention that it deserves is habits. Mm-hmm. Like we get in a way when we, when we're in active addiction, there gets to be a point where we almost go on autopilot. You know, like you go about your day, you get well before work, yada, yada, fill in the blanks. You need that in recovery as well. Like, yeah, yeah, like that wake up for you, it started with going to a meeting. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people it's praying, it's meditating, it's going to the gym, it's whatever their pre-employment, you know, routine is. And then you go to work and hopefully afterwards you spend time with family, like whatever that looks like. I know what my routine looks like, but sounds like you've been able to find a routine mm-hmm. in your recovery that's really helped you yeah. that on those on those tough days like li- listen man the last couple of weeks i've just been leaning on my routine because you know what i mean me yeah. alone in in my head is not a great place to yeah. be and so i think that there is some power in that Sticking and coming outside of routines. yourself to me like for me it's service whether that's you know in my own family changing a diaper yeah, yeah. <laughs> like changing a diaper sometimes. That's just making sure, yeah, like making sure they're well taken care of. Like that's sometimes what I just don't doing that. But it can also be like some things that I find funny and silly, but I love to do is I'll be in a drive through and I'll just pay for the person behind me because I don't know. One day someone actually did that for me. I don't know if I had a weird face or I just looked stressed or something, but I go up to the window and they're like oh the person in front of you paid for you and I was like why the hell would someone do that right. <laughs> like that is so weird but like Makes it your day made my though, day right? yeah like I love that and I was like just like and I'm not like tooting on my own horn telling everybody oh guess by the way today I just you know paid for somebody's you didn't meal turn you know TikTok? no I didn't you know I, I need to share that next time I'm just gonna <laughs> but, I swear I see those and I like yeah. roll my eyes and I like that. right but no it's just those simple things that you don't like have to have a pat on the back it's just yeah. it makes your day though yeah yeah I've, I had a person pay for my meal once and I looked at the guy's car and it's like, dude, I don't know if you have enough money to pay for my meal, but it sure, <laughs> no, seriously, this guy right, right, this no. old dilapidated, yeah. like, why is he buying me? I, I just, it made my day. Yeah. Though. It'll make your day. Yeah. There's those little simple things. And I think those things that have the connection with somebody, whether it's like a compliment at the store or, Hey, you know, it's like. I'm routinely always catching conversation with somebody at the store and I'm like getting to know that person. And when I was out using and stuff, like I only cared about yeah, myself. Yeah, you don't want to know about right. other people. I don't, right. I remember like being at a gas station, you know, and asking for money, but I didn't, you know, whatever it was, it was like, it wasn't me. Yeah. And me today, me, I care about people. I love people. I love to be out in the wilderness and running and, you know, just finding in things that I enjoy in life. And that's cool that I actually kind of have a list of things that I can look back on it's Cool. before I didn't. So we're under four minutes. We got about three and a half minutes left. And what we haven't really gotten to yet that I think part of the podcast, the purpose of the podcast is what are you doing now? And maybe allowing you some time to talk about what you do and, how you're helping people now. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I still am in the recovery world. I go to meetings still. I don't go daily. I go, you know, sometimes it's as I feel. <laughs> Aren't you f- cured yet? <laughs> no, darn it. No. I, again, I was do never relieved still, of the obsession. Do, do you still feel the meetings are helpful for you? I do. Okay. I do. Good. I do. I, that's, and that, that's just for me. I think it's for a lot of people, I, but I do think there is something about that though, right? Like when I first got into recovery, I did a lot of meetings at least once a week. Yeah. Probably in the first little bit, more than once a week. Over time though, and listen, Doc, I'm not cured, so don't ask me that question. Are you cured? But but over time I feel like you move into a maintenance piece. And so I do think it's best practice to get a home group, be of service, have a sponsor, follow the program the way that the program's meant to be worked. Um However, when I hear people say, you know, like, like I hit meetings when I need a meeting, I identify with that because I'm kind of that way. Yeah. Like I'll hit a meeting when I really know that I need to hit a meeting. And it, and the story I tell myself about that is 
Like I, I would like to say I'm in maintenance today. And believe it or not, even with hard things that happen to me in life, like I don't think of using drugs. No, right. right. Like I, I honestly, it, it, uh, helps when I hit a meeting to really listen to the newcomers and, and get, stay connected with people yep. and remind myself that if I continue down that self-pity path, yep. I can be that newcomer right yep. very quickly. quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I love. About okay. Me. You're still going to meetings. What mm-hmm. else are you doing? Well, we, um, me and my husband, Cy, Hershey, we do Maybe. interventions and we kind of go, it's, it depends. Is it like the show? Is it like the TV show? It's just like the TV show. No, no, we actually They're totally, way better we than the TV are show. way better than the TV show. And he kind of has coined, um, Hershey recovery Yeah, uh, is what it started as, but he, it's the Hershey method and we do it differently. We go about, um, coming at it from an angle of not a surprise, not a, it's like, oh my gosh, this whole, like the person knows. You don't just drop it on them, have no. their family yeah. read letters. Right. That we have like cameras, you know, Have right? you found that to be a problem ever? The surprise? Or? That, that it's not a surprise. Has anyone ever not shown up? Um, or not? No, I, I mean, is that well, give people for an Cy, personally, he has never had someone say no. Wow. They have always gone. Wow. Wow. So, someone says their success rates are 100%. Don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah. But I think he does the companionship piece really well. He yeah. does. Like a big sure. part of what you guys do isn't just the interventions. Like I no. know, Cy, he, he does a big part of it is the companion piece. Love and so him. listen, when you stick around and they realize that you're not just trying to sell them on something, there's a big piece to that when somebody's going to stick next to you yeah. and, and love you until you All get right. an opportunity we're, to love We're yourself. about out of time. Quick final message. What do you want to say? Find your purpose. Find your purpose. I like that. <laughs> Boom. Great. That'll All be right. the title. Thanks, Jess, for coming down. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This is We Do Recover with Jared Miller, episode 111. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by High Desert Counseling, Rise Up Supplements, and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of its sponsors. This has been a production from a podcast studio.